again, and uh, what a joy it is to hear all of you singing so well. What a singing congregation you are, and it's a joy to hear it from here. Thank you for blessing me with that this morning. Again, it is good to be with you today, uh, and also uh, good to come and see the congregation that Pastor Sansom continues to serve, and uh, he and I were classmates at seminary, so uh, it's nice to be close and, and get to see him from time to time. And so I pray that God will continue to grant you peace together as you walk through this time. So may the grace, mercy, and peace of God our Father and our Savior Jesus be with you today. Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, as we come before you today, gathered in your name and around your word as your people, here in your presence, we pray with the psalmist that the words of my mouth and the meditation of those gathered would be acceptable in your sight. Our strength, our rock, our Redeemer. Amen. So as we reflect on these words from Luke uh, that were read so well for us earlier, uh, I was thinking about um, a, a recent kind of habit that I've gotten into in the evenings. When we put our kids to bed, my wife Lisa and I will sit down, and sometimes there's things to be done, like laundry. And so we sit on the couch and begin doing the laundry. And so every once in a while, we'll turn on the television. We don't have any fancy things like Netflix and Disney Plus and all that stuff where you can watch the stuff you really want to watch. So we just turn it on and what was on but reruns of the old show, Fear Factor. I don't know if any of you are familiar with this show. It was in the early 2000s, hosted by none other than Joe Rogan. And it was the show where there was all kinds of different stunts and different weird things people had to do that were supposed to play off of all kinds of various fears. And if they made it through then they won the prize of a sum of cash or a car or something like that. And, and they would hear this wonderful line at the end, evidently fear is not a factor for you. When the gospel here of Luke, as we hear Jesus talking to his disciples, he calls them and us not to worry. He calls us to have fear as not being a factor for us, which let's all admit that's easier said than done right? You can't just uh, suggest to to simply become more self-sufficient, and then maybe we won't have as much fear. We won't have as much worry. Even with the disciples, after all, they had just heard the parable of the rich man, and they're probably saying, well, we we don't have anything like the rich man. We don't have all that stuff. We don't have silos. We don't have this abundance. And yet God still tells them, don't worry. I'll provide for you. Don't worry. I know it's easy to say, right? It's easy for me to stand here and say too, don't worry, it's not that easy for me to hear myself either. All of our burdens in life, we look around and there's many of them coming at us. There's a constant bombardment of concerns, of uncertainties, of worries that the world lays upon us, of of things that are just dropped on us like bombshells of bad news that we don't know quite what to do with. Add to that all the concerns simply of the world in which we live that are clamoring for our attention day in and day out, and you have the perfect recipe for anxiety. So, the question for us this morning is, what voice will we listen to? What does your heart here. Well, Jesus speaks to his disciples and he points them to creation. He says, look at the birds, you know, look at the the flowers, look at all of these things and see how God provides for them. How will he not also provide for you? 
But when we look at creation at times, what is it that we see or what is it that we hear? Usually what's shared is things like destruction and devastation. We hear of war or of famine or of all the unrest that happens either in nations, in our communities, in our families. Natural disaster, anxiety and fear, the state of all kinds of different things. So maybe that's not so comforting. Well, maybe then there's the the call for improving ourselves so that worry and anxiety don't have to rule. After all, if I improve myself enough, well, then I I can trust in myself, right? And society has all kinds of claims about that, too. It tells you the things you should be worried about. It reminds you all the time of the things that you and I lack as people. And, of course, it's right there to provide the product that you can buy to help you achieve whatever you need. Think about it. Everything from having wider teeth to a more fit body to the perfect house or the just right family, society says it will give you all the things that you need to really turn your life around. In fact, what it's doing is telling us and pointing us to simply what we lack. The problem is that when all we see is what we lack, that then creates fear, it creates anxiety, and it changes us from a giving people to a taking people. In fact, the problem is not so much the things that we see, but what our heart hears. And so research has shown over and over again that that worrying, whether it be about ourselves, about our, our community, whether it be about our world or our families or our church, worrying and being stressed out about things doesn't add time to our life. Jesus even says, right, how can you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? You can't do it. In fact, what the research shows is that it takes away from our life. It does not help. It does not move us forward. Worrying about different things begins to show us what we truly trust in. In the previous parable, that Jesus told to his disciples, of which then the words that we hear today are on the heels of, that rich man was not so much worried because he trusted in himself. He trusted in his own ability to be able to do whatever he needed to do, his, his own thoughts on what his plan was and his way of thinking and just building bigger barns and silos. The problem is, all of those things would rot and spoil. What he didn't do was trust in the things that God would give that don't rot, that don't spoil, that aren't changed and can't be taken. And so Jesus says that there's something else to trust in. He tells his disciples that, and he tells you and I that. He tells St. John congregation that. That there are things that, that do not rot, do not spoil, and can be treasured. It's that Jesus would provide everlasting life, forgiveness of sins, and and that brings a different way of living. What a treasure it is to be able to trust, not in ourselves, not in this world, not in the things that we thought were going to be so and we never saw coming, but to trust in God. It means that even things like broken relationships with God and with other people, even those things, the treasure is this, 
those are restored in the blood of Jesus, and there is reconciliation. But for the heart that does not hear Jesus, it simply tries to build up treasure for itself. It places trust in in the things of this world, even its own ability to heal, its own ability to deal with a situation. Or it trusts simply in, in past experiences that therefore should give us the ability to go forward. All of these things, again, place an undue burden back on us. See, when the heart is treasuring wrong things, the creation, as you look around, doesn't necessarily always bring the comfort that Jesus speaks of. Because the world simply weighs on us rather than being lifted off of us. So what do we do? What's the solution? Well, it isn't so much in what we see, certainly not in the world, but it is in the way that we see God, and maybe more so in the way that God sees you. He sees you, he sees this church, as a treasure, as a very treasure of God. And where his treasure is, there his heart is also. And so it causes him to send down his heart, to send down his son Jesus to a cross, so that you and I might be brought back to God in peace. See, being, in a treasure, being a treasure in God's eyes places our hearts then in the right place to see things clearly, to hear things clearly, to hear his word, and to live without the fear and anxiety that otherwise would be upon us. We as his church are so valuable to God, so much so that he would send his son to die for us. And dear friends, when we put our trust In our own abilities, we're not putting our trust in God. For many people, that misplaced trust causes worry, causes anxiety, causes sleepless nights and panic, even physical discomfort. When we fail to trust in God, we end up trusting the things that cause us to worry. So in order to address that, we must assess that which we trust. What is it that we trust? Do we trust in the things that will rot and grow old? Or do we trust in God, who does not grow old, who does not rot? With hearts that have an ear turned to the voice of God, we can hear his word that rids us of worry and anxiety. Because otherwise, when we're threatened, when we're confused, when we're afraid, we can be consumed by it sometimes in a lower sense and sometimes in an all-consuming sense. But Jesus knows your temporary anxiety. He knows the struggle that you have in your own life. He knows the struggles that his congregations have and often how it causes us to be people who then turn inward or grab rather than give. And so he offers us a simple glimpse of God's wisdom to see that God, God oversees everything But there's nothing that he overlooks, and that includes you. That God created this world with you in mind as his treasure. He knows your needs, and he will supply them. And this love of God can reorder our thinking, reorder our hearts, it reorders our world. I think those are 
maybe helpful words of redirection and reorder for today. Even on a broader sense, all the things that we have gone through in global pandemic and wars that go on and shortages that still exist and financial difficulties and afflictions that we've all faced and even some of what we've just heard. Our temptation can be to begin to grab and hold rather than to give. Sometimes we grab onto things that are tangible. Other times we grab onto things like our own understanding. We grab onto what we view as normal. We grab onto attitude, attitudes toward one another or other parties or, or someone else that we can simply self-justify such thoughts that are not of God. Maybe we grab onto the ideal of what we think things should be. Or even that the, the church itself is just ours and without us it's going to fall and fail. We grab onto so often what we don't have rather than rejoice in what we do. When provisions are low, the preservation instinct is high. We become anxious or defensive. We speak about things like my food, my family, my job, my church. We forget that those are God's. Maybe we hold on to things like my anger, hold on to my frustration, my disappointment, my discouragement. Is that what we will let our hearts hear and hold on to? Do we take that that little pill hoping that it will hurt the other person all the while just poisoning us? We can't dismiss the very real consequences of sin for us, for the world. But in the comforting word of God, Christ Jesus frees us from all of this. And dear friends, there is no better equipped than the church because it is not of ourselves or even our own experiences that we have been equipped. It is of God who gives us his kingdom, who forgives us, who entrusts us with the freeing forgiveness though he calls us then to extend to others. See, Jesus assures us that through all of the things, just like he does for his disciples, who I'm sure we're questioning, he assures us that we will survive, not because we take better care of ourselves. No, we can't add a single hour to our life, or that of the church will survive because God takes care of us, as he reminds the disciples, like the ravens, or the flowers. When the creator and the giver of all good things is caring for you, suddenly you are free to care for others. You are free to rest in the kingdom of God. You are free to take courage, to take strength, and have certainty in your hope. Why not worry? God knows your need, and he gives you the kingdom. You have a shepherd who knows your voice, who knows your cry. As he gives you the kingdom, he reminds you as well that he has given you worth and recognition as his treasure. As we heard read so well earlier, the Old Testament and the epistle reading for today tell of Abraham, a man who lived as a stranger in a foreign land and was certainly subject to fear, doubt, or anxiety. And God simply said to him, do not be afraid, Abraham. And he gave him a promise of a Savior to come. 
Abraham believed, and he lived by that promise. With the power of the Holy Spirit, you and I can do the same. Why? Because Jesus, Jesus is our Lord for today, for tomorrow, for every day to come. So how much more does he care for you, for his church, than even the other things of creation? So may we listen with listening hearts, hearing his word. Amen. May the grace of God be with you today and in all the days to come. In the name of Jesus. Amen.